90s core. <laughs> not that show. You're not Andy. How many Why can't I be? Why that? can't I be just for one night? Welcome I... to No Skips, a podcast about listening to classic albums that you maybe didn't hear. At least maybe Lisa hasn't heard. I haven't. Good night. That's our show. <laughs> we love you. Thank you. We love you. Another 90s court ref. 90s court's a good podcast. Listen, that's not tonight. Tonight we are on a very special album. We're out in space. We're I, we're I, on the dark I'm side. I'm not coming back. We're on the dark side of the moon. That's right. Pink Floyd, landmark, 1973, 14, 14 times platinum. Have you had that many hot meals, dear listener? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> 14 times platinum. We're I mean we're not even a minute in, and we're already talking about the album. Wow. But I guess that's. Pro- I mean, it's. You got to get in it. Well, it's what forty six minutes. It's, chop it's, chop. It's, well, here here's the thing. I I did ask Jack. This is forty three minutes long, according to I think Ooh. I saw Wikipedia. I am making an exception today. This album. I'm not making. An exception. I'm making an exception. You're not like the hell. I'm unplugging here. her mic at forty three minutes. I will in. bite you. I will stop I, cooking. I will stop making your latte. I'm I, and I'm not going to break my promise to the listeners. That's the. I will. I'm absolutely willing to break promises because this album deserves more. Wow. If, if it gets there, if it gets there, let's talk. Let's talk shop. Okay. Prior to this, listening to this, my experience with Pink Floyd was, I was as follows. Say that I'm quite curious. I dated people who wore the T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> is this a T-shirt company? It is. Do they make prisms? Um, I heard my local Fox 4 News in, in Dallas. They would always play a clip from Money uh, periodically. Okay. And that's it. That's all the experience I had with this. I, wow. I recognized the artwork. I knew Pink Floyd's name. Okay. Did not know they were British. Now, granted, let's this this album, 1973, makes it nearly 50 years old. I think people can be forgiven for being a little, maybe, be, just like the Beatles, just like all these things that are starting to fall away. That's mm. just the nature of time. I wonder if there's going to be a song mm. that covers time. No. Definitely not. Mm, that's too bad. Dorfinitely not. That would have been really so, topical. So like you, like you said, if anyone else is an asshole like me who doesn't know anything about Pink Floyd, let's just do a quick rundown. For this album, we had Roger Waters as bassist slash vocalist, David Gilmore, guitarist. Lyricist vo- as well. Okay. And vo- and vo- okay. That's important. David Gilmore is guitarist and vocalist. Rick Wright on keyboards and also a vocalist. And Nick Mason is the drummer. And Jackie wanted to mention Sid Barrett. So uh, I'm I don't know Pink Floyd very well. I know several of their albums pretty well. Um, but I'm I'm not, I'm not a behind the scenes fan. I, I've, I've I've dug deep into you know various bands like that. That's not Pink Floyd for me. I'm happy to not worry about it, which is good because from my inclination of looking a little bit into the history, it seems like the insane amount of money that this album and and subsequent albums generated kind of caused further rifts in the band later on. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in the music, and boy, howdy, did they make some music. Boy, a little bit. Well, but this is This is the first time on this show so far that I've listened to an album and been like incredibly disappointed myself for having not <laughs> having not come to this prior sure disappointed and all in just like where was i where how i mean i i know totally different era but this is like i, I mean for me to say this is one of the best albums of all time it's like no fucking duh lisa everyone else <laughs> everyone already knew that there are a lot of things that have happened but really sometimes 14 honestly, platinum honestly you know, 14 sometimes platinum. things just sit in 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 plain sight I'm, okay, I'm, I'm breaking our podcast. I'm yeah, he, he just, just knocked everything off my face. I'm very powerful. Powerful quads. 
Sorry for Are those powerful it. podcast quads? Excuse me. Pod quads? Um, Pod quads. Uh, yeah. Sometimes things just sit in front of you. And you don't know, like I, like I said, I a couple weeks ago I listened to this album, but it's an album that demands a certain amount of active attention. I just threw it on and I was like, hmm, what was that fart? Uh, you know, like not like it was <laughs> it was bad, but I wasn't actively attending to it. And I was just kind of like a lot of sound effects on this album, which there are, mm-hmm. but it didn't it didn't leave like a crazy lasting impression like you'd expect for an album of this stature. Yet only a little bit of active attention goes a long way yeah this album is gonna be with me forever awesome this is gonna be with me forever this one it was it was yeah this was a mind breaker for me as you said um 14 times platinum it also topped the u.s billboard top lps and tapes chart where it charted for 957 weeks and for any of you who are not interested in doing the math right now that's over 18 years of charting and i googled this just a second ago and it was even charting in 2020 it hit, Suck it hit, eggs, Prince. It was like 193. Our joke about pr- Purple Rain still charting, it's actually Pink, Floyd Pink Floyd actually did chart that long. Pink Floyd. Uh, so, and it has also been selected for preservation in the U.S. National Recording Registry by the Library of Congress for being deemed culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant, which Absolutely. is, I mean, and that's the show. There's nothing else anyone can say right. than that quote. But right. um, so for me, this, for me, this album was extremely moving uh it's hard to i mean it's hard to listen to it's good it's great that. to listen to but it's hard to listen to mm. there are a lot i mean it, there are it's a lot of things theme, there big, are big things big yeah things. health issues uh health talking, mental illness death chaos of big touring yeah. life and greed death it's all of it it's all of it um so shall we get into the album itself or did you want to add any other well as a, as a segue talking talking about our, our prior album we came to this one and this was kind of just oh, jumped right. up the list because our good friend Erica Badu please come by and, and join the show it would be amazing to I'll have you I'll make you, you a, a very good latte Exactly I will not look at you I, we will not make eye contact uh, she cites this album as one of her like all-time greats and it's neat to see that through line because here's also an album hugely cyclical in nature the mm-hmm. song is, you know, sequenced to loop more or less perfectly. Mm-hmm. It intros on a heartbeat. It ends on a heartbeat. And there are sort of loops on loops. Like, I, pacing more than anything, I think I'm kind of stunned by this album because it's sometimes hard to actually delineate where tracks. It was only yes. because you were streaming it on YouTube and it did this really obnoxious break between the official track listing. YouTube that, music to be... To, to, to give a proper shout, shout out, out. Shout out shout to, to YouTube, YouTube music. music. You really fucked this up for us. <laughs> You're destroying everything. Thanks, YouTube music. Um. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's the, the pacing of it, the, well, you get a P um, right in the mic there. The pacing, this sense of just the movement of it. Mm-hmm. And for a band that came up through uh, a sort of a blues, I mean, everything in the 60s, all popular music is black music, right? It just it all came from from core black music, and so for them, like a lot of British musicians, they were obsessed with blues and improvisational kind mm, of stuff. Okay. And so I, I, you might call them a jam band. I don't know. I don't like jam bands necessarily, but for the compositions where they came from, and they came from much much longer compositions. I think that would have killed this album. If this were like a double length album mm-hmm. and everything was like real meadly, meadly, eight minute, like the the brevity and the 
the specificity, not specificity, the like intentionality they brought to sequencing this album and putting it together is 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 awe inspiring. My understanding is that they toured a lot of the songs prior to and then after the release of the album. And it's fascinating to me. I know my, my old high school friends will, will think about this with me. There are key albums that I really love. Uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot from Wilco comes to mind, where the band would speak about after the album got big, they kind of felt a little rueful about it because they felt like they only learned to play a lot of the songs after they had like toured it for a while. Oh, U2's, U2's pop because they were under pressure to mount this enormous, enormous world tour and the train just had to keep rolling. So even if they weren't ready with the songs, they had to put the album out. And then they were like, oh man, we wish we would have had a little more time in the oven to bake. That's what's so cool about Dark Side of the Moon. There is no question in your mind as a listener that there's confidence, there is a... Mm-hmm. Uh, an exacting sense of like we've played these songs we've played the like 18 minute versions of these songs and Mm -hmm. been like oh man this little harmony or this little part like that worked really well in that show back whatever right and it's so fully fleshed out but again exacting 43 minutes is not a lot and yet it feels like you're in a whole lifetime through that album Mm -hmm. you certainly experience it all woof um open it up let's do it speak to me um, speak to me is the opening. <laughs> it's it's like it's like deathly silent, silent for a while. You're like, is it playing? Is it playing or not? And then slowly, <laughs> the song allows this like menacing drum beat, similar to a heartbeat, yeah, a to, heartbeat cart, yeah. to like entering your your range of, of sound, right? And then shortly thereafter, it's just this like mess of sound, right? Yeah. There's like clanging and and chain like changing and like laughing and drilling and like it just starts to come to a head. And it's really it's intense. And we, we we start on one of the with the intro. There is a and my note here is only a British band would treat their big rock album like a school paper, which is to say they <laughs> did all these interviews, yeah. right? They had these like set kind of questions about the big things in life, uh, but also a very sort of like a like a sort of a psychiatric kind of evaluation. Have you ever used violence? Right? Is one of like can you can you can you tell me an example of a time you use violence? Like all these are sort of like flashcards. And, and for some of the interviews, they kind of got jumbled up, but they, they interviewed like people in the band, people close to the band, roadies, studio personnel, girlfriends, whoever just was around. And of course, crazy Pink Floyd fans have assiduously reconstructed exactly who's talking when. And it's like, oh, that's the roadie who's like, he says this line. But when you're coming to the album and listening to it, it doesn't feel that way. It feels very mysterious. Mm-hmm. It feels like this chorus of like, are these dead men? Like, are they just saying crazy stuff? And of course, you know, the sort of um, epigraph, if we know for the album, starting off is the guy saying, oh, I'm, I'm mad, I'm I've always been mad. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's it it already sort of sets you on off kilter feeling of being like, what's going on? What's gonna? What am I getting into here? Yeah, I, I said I said for as short as the the intro to the, uh, as short as this intro to the album is, it's like it's the most appropriate intro ever mm-hmm. because it's dark and unsettling. It's quiet and loud. It's unnerving and menacing, and then it just rolls into yeah, breathe yeah. So breathe, breathe, breathe in the air. Um, man, yeah, it, yeah. It's <laughs> when this track starts. It's, it's coming from "Speak to Me," and then it begins with with someone just yelling, really shrieking. Is kind of how this one begins, and then it, then to me, which I believe is, is Claire Tory, the 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 singer the from the, for 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 Great Gig in the Sky. Great Gig in the Sky. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, 
it shortly thereafter it kind of starts this like sleepy sad steel guitar and i'll be i'll be honest with you this is one of the most like chillingly depressing songs i've ever heard wow. if you ever hear me listening to this song like more than 10 <laughs> days from now come check on me come check on, you. Come okay. check on me all right um ah, it's all the way down for you huh? this one this one took this one shook me more than i expected quite a bit the way the way gilmore sings this melody it just stings yeah. it's like it's like to me it sounded like it would cry it was a pleading and what i found interesting was like you said it felt relaxing and it felt like despair to me and that's just i, I mean know. if i focus on it sure but this this is something that's also it's funny with like there are there are albums that absolutely shake me you know emotionally mm-hmm. this isn't one of them this still kind of hits me on a more intellectual level and it's funny because again i would i would point out there's a through line there with kid a as well where like the the kind of the textual quality of it, the the use of sound effects, the use of sort of atmospheric, mm-hmm. you know, mixing and lots of sort of complex arrangements to kind of achieve this whole thing. Yeah, breathe. I don't know. I, it's probably just because I wasn't paying as much attention to the lyrics somehow. Well, um, when when there's there's some some certain type of melody that usually will get me. Th- sure. There's, I mean, sure. Y- you might even be able to clue in on that sometimes for a track, but it's just when it's got that little bit of a sad tinge to it it really it really hooks into me um and then you've got well, and they're incredible musicians yeah. that should be said yeah and so these this line breathe breathe in the air don't be afraid to care leave but don't leave me that hurts wow that hurts that one hit hard um and then run run or excuse me run rabbit run dig that hole forget the sun and when at last the work is done don't sit down it's time to dig another one so yes. so for me this is just Life is just this never ever never ending cycle of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, the to toil, do. the toil. Yeah, it yeah. really lands home on this yeah. track, lyrically. And, and no matter what you have to do, you just have to keep going until you die. Essentially, we talk about that whenever we talk about like running a restaurant or something, right? Like yeah. doing the same thing over and over again yeah. every single day until you fucking die. So, yeah, feeding feeding off this mental health issue theme. This one just seemed like a a really heavy jumping off point <laughs> for the album. But it had uh, yeah, it had like a I don't know. The song, the song. Yeah. This one's going to be with me for a long time. I hear that. It's a no, good it's, one. It's, it's a, a good song. Yeah. I actually, so for me, I went, well, we can talk about that later. We'll talk about that at the end. So this kind of leads into On the Run. On the Run. I'm going to invoke Tree Fingers again here because I feel <laughs> like uh, this is. <laughs> tree Fingers is now a thing for it. This amazing. Absolutely. Um, this. It, you want to talk about the temptation of skips? This is the one I'm tempted to skip, even though I love the sounds of mm-hmm. of, of on the run. Um, this is like this is '73. This is super pioneering um, synthesizer work. Like it's 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 awesome. Yeah, what they're, it's what they're, what they're And it is a very intense, and it's it's very carefully mixed, and it sounds like there's not a there's not a song in this album that sounds dated in terms of the recording. Yep. They were they yep. were so dead nuts on in everything captured with with incredible clarity nothing feels dated as far as that goes it's just more that um it took me a long time to kind of work into the the almost the um the underlying method to the madness in how this album is sequenced because breathe is so juicy in terms of here's the melody here's that really soft and lush vocal and it is it's a huge emotion and then we're going to step through this like wordless weird like making like your parents are making you run through the airport feeling mm-hmm. like and that's and, and it took me yeah, a while to get to that it. 
but it's like it's a nice decompression and i think this album more than many that have had instrumental tracks where you're like uh skip i don't need to hear that right Mm -hmm. you don't really skip well hey you don't skip any track on this one it's a it's it's just a continuous you know kind of it's almost like just one whole composition right um but you don't skip here because it's almost like you have to digest what just happened yeah it has to all the instrumentals on this album what all two of them mm-hmm. is that right the bo- both of them are very um i think they're very necessary yeah. to kind of move you on to what comes next because th- there are a lot of roller coasters that happened on this album you start off well when it, to me breathe I, I, breathe is number one to me even though it's not but breathe is is kind of down and slow and sleepy and sad mm-hmm. and then this starts to take and you into you this get, like and then the ratcheting place. up yeah the yeah. ratcheting up for the next track to, to me it was just like was it the hi-hat kind of yeah. Oh, yeah i can't do it because i'm not a drummer but it just makes you feel like your heart is racing like you said then you get this like loud shuddering crescendo sound that makes yeah. it sound like an 18 wheeler has just passed you while you're just standing yeah. off the side of the road it's just this right. like whoosh it feels awful you could feel it in your chest but yeah which, which i also is... compared this track to feeling like when you've had too much coffee but you're, <laughs> but you're still too tired and all there is is just too much coffee in your system but absolutely no benefit yeah you're just losing yeah, yeah, your mind yeah. that's absolutely. what this track is so and I want to talk for a moment about the the sound effects. That's another okay. thing that kind of stuck with me kind of negatively at first, especially in the next track is time, time. right? Okay. Yeah. Time, of course, we just we can move on to those well I, I look at my effort, effortless segue just like the song's effortless segue. Um, <laughs> time starts with this in uh, Alan Parsons, who in his own right is an engineer who worked on this album. Uh, in his own right, the Alan Parsons Project is a classic band in its own right. Um, so there's so much talent on this album; it's crazy. But he he specifically went to antique shops and recorded up close. So you can hear it's very close mic. That's that's part of the the claustrophobia of that crazy ringing sound. It's like there are so many clocks, but it's not like I'm sitting in a uh, room with a lot of clocks going off. It's I have my head pressed up against. Mm-hmm. 50 clocks all yep. going off yep and it's an it's it's like it's not a pleasant sound and there are other things and it's very it's very fascinating because whereas musically you'd use dissonance and then you resolve it right this album uses a lot of extra musical elements right the talking the spoken word stuff the sound effects and and i would say that yeah the very sound effect like treatment of the synthesizer on run puts you in a different headspace it's again not necessarily cinematic. That's, that's the word I always love to to come back to um, with when talking about these albums. Okay. High praise. Not necessarily cin- cinematic, but it's like I don't I don't know. It's it's hard to describe, but it's like it's it's a fuller experience as a result. We're very. I mean, it's very literal in the case of time. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's this song about time? Guess what? You're gonna hear so many fucking clocks. You don't even know what to do. And then you're like. <laughs> Okay, wow. Okay, I wish these clocks would stop. But then it's again, it's almost like the little palate cleanser. It's 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 there are so many things that despite being very abrupt um again move in such a clever way as moving you along through the album. Yeah. Yeah. This track is of course. So I I usually end up focusing more on lyrics. I love that you add all that extra sure. tech tech background tech, tech. crap crap she says what's this tech so, crap what's this tech crap so to me this one was a rough track too because you see the lives of so many people that you love kind of oh, reflected yeah. in this one right because it's oh, essentially yeah. a song about being stuck in your hometown 
and thinking like, yeah, you have this like aimless life that you're living. Or, in or just any, anyone that anyone that's woken up and be like, oh shit, I'm old. Yeah. It happened. I mean, you and I talk about it, the fact we've been together ten years. Like, how did that happen? Yeah, there's already been ten years. Like, at he, least, it makes at least, sense. At least but with with small children, that feels like, oh, I've just been, I've just been taking care of these kids. But it happens to everyone, and that's mm-hmm. that's scary. And everyone always says, have, yeah, yeah, you blink, and that's you know, twenty years have passed. You're like, okay, oh no, oh no, we are living it. So, oh no, yeah. I'm in the Pink Floyd now. <laughs> I must be old. <laughs> Yep, it's my time. So lyrics of uh, kicking around on a piece of ground in your hometown, waiting for someone or something to show you the way. And, and then later on, and then one day you find 10 years have gotten have got behind you. No one told you when to run. You missed the starting gun. So I think I think a lot of people, especially from small towns, probably aspire to leave at some point. Sure. But then don't. And you did. So you think a lot about that. And you thought you think about yeah. the, the path not taken, right? Yeah, I, I, I see. Yeah, I, certainly never casting dispersions on anyone who doesn't leave their hometowns because that's the, not dispersions, aspersions. Aspersions, casting we, aspersions. Yes. Yeah, um, we. Yeah, it's it's you're not at fault for not leaving, but some yeah. people I think think that they're going to, mm-hmm. and then it doesn't happen, and then before you know it, time gets away from you, and then you know twenty. And that chapter's closed. You can't you can't go back to it. Yeah, that doesn't. I mean, you you can, but it won't be the same. No. And yeah, it's just it's just tough. And thinking that like something big's gonna happen to me one day, I'll finally get my maybe break or something or my chance to leave. Sure. It's like if you don't take it. It never shows up. Yeah, yeah. you have you make, to. You make those yeah. opportunities, and it and what a but then uh, again the sort of inter interconnectedness of the song to rush you through mm-hmm. the song about the hectic pace of modern life. I, I believe it was referenced uh, in terms of like what to them seemed like a crazy time because they were touring a lot and they were getting on airplanes and doing a lot of that kind of stuff and, and thinking about that was what inspired Run. And so to rush the listener through that experience, and then once again, because it's it's true, we I think you would you, your album suffers immediately if you have that same kind of down melodic um, vibe of uh, breathe and time right next to each other. That doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense, right? right? You have to have some, but of course we get breathe again. We get the kind of refrain or the melody from breathe at the end of time. Yeah, when it says home, home again. What does it say? Home, home again. I like to be here when I can. And then I'm just depressed again. So thanks time. <laughs> I'm just all ready to be down. But again, talking about Erica Badu, right? The, the, the sort of circles and circles, how a song comes, comes up mm-hmm. and then comes back in again. These sorts of, uh, that to me is a very clear line of inspiration yeah. for how the structure of Baduism works. And that's great because it works really well here and works, works well there. And there are so many ways to take inspiration in terms of, Again, the sort of interstructural aspect of this album. I really enjoy. Well, let's move on to happier times with the great gig in the sky. (laughs) (laughs) With just a big voice lady just wailing the shit out of it. It was was not a single take. Yeah, Claire Tori, which they settled out of court because at some point she was like, I got paid 400 bucks for this. You guys have made seventeen, 17 trillion dollars. Billion dollars. How about I get some of that? And they're like, "Well, settle out of court." And it's like, I, I feel, I feel both sides of that, as a, as a, as a, as a game developer. You're trying to work with people, and everyone's trying to get their pound of flesh. I don't know what kind of money that they had when they were recording this album. Presumably, they had some. I think I've read that they're worth eight hundred million now. Well, yeah, this. now, yeah, yeah. Now. And this was not this is not their only hit. The wall oh, is no, yeah, for sure. So. Yeah, but it's crazy because this is I think their seventh or eighth album. When you're a prog rock band in Britain in the early seventies, 
he kind of molt albums, I guess. So. Yeah, it's true. Uh, the spoken word, not really lyrics, the spoken words, all right. Or was it? Was this one? It's another one of it these. Was speaking. It was a speaking one. And I am not frightened of dying. Any time will do. I don't mind. Why should I be frightened of dying? There's no reason for it. You gotta go sometime. So there's kind of mm. like yeah, another one of these yeah these interview clips yeah yeah again, but in the context of that, quite ominous. And again, you don't you don't know the attribution. Apparently, another little bit of tidbit is that uh, uh, Paul McCartney, Paul and Linda McCartney were were in among the interviews for. Uh, the recording of this album, mm. but theirs were not included because they were judged trying to be funny and too silly. That sounds, sounds like, like if someone does, like, if a, hey, we were going to interview you, Jack and Lisa, for this super serious, depressing album, and it's just us like giggling and laughing, I'm pulling jokes. <laughs> um, so, so like you said, Claire Tory gives us like dreamy but also panicky and nightmarish style vocalization it's it's great but it also it reminded me of a um of a very special song from one album white pony there you go knife party actually i hear that yeah the, the, that. the vocalist was what was her name i wrote it down rod rod lean is that right rod lean get sick that sounds hmm. right but she's there's just this crazy shrieky it's a crazy vocal yeah. yes and i was like that is a very obvious um connection I can, to that I, I, I can actually hear that absolutely yeah. Yeah, everything else is good. But, but in the end, the song ends quietly, peacefully, just in time for us to go to money. Yeah, no, great gig in the sky, because uh, I think oh, in the original... Well, in the original running order, I think it ends side A. I think. I was wondering. I was going to ask, because I didn't actually get to look yeah. that up. Where I, it, I think I, I read that money was track one on side yeah. B. So I think it's... I think you... you, you so and again, and that's, that's, that's the sort of that, that lost art, and I've, I've, I've spoken to you about this at times. Um, it's fascinating to me. I think my, my, my good friend Colin Kennedy brought that up. He was thinking about how vinyl albums, everything was on vinyl, and mm-hmm. so you had to sequence albums almost like mini albums because each side was its own listening experience. And I've done that, right? When we have we have guests over and you don't actually want to work the the vinyl, but you want to have something on, you'll let a side play for a while. And then you're like, you're actually, oh, now you start to tune in on that side, side A or side B, as its own miniature experience. Hmm. And this is an experience, right? From there to there, that's a that's a, a sort of a complete chapter. Yes. And so the great gig in the sky again, pieced together, I think from from a couple of different, my understanding, a couple of different takes. It's not just one full vocal take. I don't know how anyone could do that without hyperventilating, um, but it's an amazing. It's a very cathartic, and really, I think that's one of the masterstrokes. Everyone knows, and in fact, in your daily life, if you feel like something's missing, get like four or five like big voiced women backup singers just to be there with you, whatever you're doing. If you have four or five women backup singers, everything is a thousand percent better. Absolutely. Everyone in the the sixties and the seventies knew it for their albums. Rolling Stones, especially the Beatles, they get, they got this, but just try it in your daily life. You feel better. You feel a lot better. And, and, and uh, you'll have someone be in harmony with you. Finally, finally (laughs) e-harmony. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's uh, final, final note is just, that's, that's another thing that I'm impressed with the album where it's like, we have the, we have the, we have the whole kitchen sink here as far as approaches we can take to the mm-hmm. stuff. We're going to use a female vocals cause this is like, she, my understanding was starting as an improv over, over this piano piece that I forget which, um, band member came up with, but it's like, it just grew from there and what an amazing song 
in a unique composition, right? It's like, well, we're not going to do it like, okay, well, maybe she just belts it out at the end after we do a conventional, but that's one of the joys of being a prog rock band. You just uh, are like, no, it's going to be seven minutes of yelling. I don't know. Why not? You ready? Yeah. Money? All right. Now I'm ready. For now me. you're ready. Okay, money. So we get, again, this kind of assault of sound of the coins clinking and the cash registers chiming and then enters the dopest bass line <laughs> in history. Thank you, Roger Waters. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's a... Uh, man, this is a good one. Prob- well, probably the most famous track from this album. Like, yeah. the one that got consistent radio play and still does. If Are there classic rock stations anymore? Do when they say They're classic rock... They're all playing Blink-182 now. I was going to say, it's do they... <laughs> When they say classic rock, they don't mean dinosaur shit. How could you? I mean, what would you even? I mean, this is still classic rock, but what's? I mean, what? Do you, how do you reference what happened in the late '90s, early 2000s? Good question. I mean, a mistake. Oh, what? what, what? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm Thank a little you. slow on the draw there. Um, where's yeah? Where's the warp tour stations? Wow. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. Well, it's, I it's not the know. format. It, they don't have radio stations for that. They have YouTube. I bet they do on Sirius oh, or XM or whatever, whichever. Are they the same Sirius XM? People still pay for that. They're they're paying for more than that. It's true. Speaking of paying for stuff, money. Money. Let's get back to the I track. So, yeah, this is just referencing the insane importance money has on our lives and how it makes us deeply greedy. And you can kind of see the considerations of how much more dumb shit you feel compelled to buy when you actually do end up having a lot of money with lines like new car caviar four-star daydream think i'll buy me a football team and also i'm in the high i'm in the high fidelity first class traveling set i think i need a learjet it's like i do i to to me this is lyrically some of the weakest material like this and us and them like once once you're on such such a high level you're just going to be spouting platitudes which i think this and us and them largely do and yet, in the context of taking on enough big subjects, I think it's and it's 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 elevated by by comparison. Because if it were just like, I don't know, a couple more songs, kind of on this level, I think I would have been irritated. But yes, it's, and also it's again, it's a banger. It's it's a, it's a it's a great song. Yeah, and of course, it's got the most amazing time signature. I think I read it was seven four, and I was trying to. It's hard to keep up with it because it's not all seven four, but like the the bass line is seven four, and then it kind of bounces to four four or something. And I was like, I was trying to conduct yeah, time you. to it, and I couldn't couldn't nail it. I was like, <laughs> what, where are we going? I even watched videos of other people playing it. That's funny. And I was like, I can't, I can't. Yeah, I famous can't. song, very uh, heavily covered song as well. Yeah. I bet this would be a really fun one to cover. Very challenging one to learn. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. Um, and then we move on to Us and Them. Swampy, sad saxophone at the beginning. Got to get that sax. A swampy, sad. Early, early 70s. They weren't afraid of that sax. I guess not. Um, so, like I said, similar similar kind of feeling lyrically in terms of like, it's not, I, I think, I think um, Waters, not only did he grow as a lyricist i think one of the other tidbits was this is the first album of theirs that they felt confident enough in the lyrics that they actually printed them inside whereas prior albums they didn't print the lyrics which is always one of those funny things Com- kids confident don't understand and then like they didn't like them or confident in that they, they who were knows like- man who knows no no as in as in just confidence about like you're sure of what you're doing because you know mm. he, he stepped in as he was originally the bassist and then 
with the departure of Sid Barrett, he, he took on the, the the main lyric duty. That's why early Pink Floyd albums are a very different scene because Sid Barrett was not only the front man, but also the main lyricist. Mm, so so Water, Water st- stepped up is my understanding of it. Um, but it's just so funny because, again, that's that's another part of the, the fallen away world. Uh, you um, know, there's no excuse for not knowing lyrics anymore. Whereas before, you just kind of wandered the earth thinking about lyrics that you couldn't quite get and you just listened to them over and over and you still maybe didn't get them. Mm. And then you're just like, I have to make peace with it. I've always had fake lyrics to Macarena. Well, sure, everyone does. But I could look it up and I'm like, no. No? I like my version, actually. Thank you. Yep, this is, of course, a track about war. Pretty obviously, such as oh, that's sorry, that was what I was going to say. Roger, I th- I thought I thought that Roger Waters did better in developing some of the war-related material for the Wall because he he goes back through his dad and he think about World War II as every dad and every person mm-hmm. uh, at a certain point has to just think about World War II. Um, but yeah, that's 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 my thought on this. I, I I like the song, but again, it's similar to Money, where it's like lyrically, it's not. I don't love this one. Yeah, it's good. It's good, sure. especially with but the it's kind like, of loud. Why are we fighting well, each other? Can we just like, maybe it's the general's fault? Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely got more, it's got these really loud billowing choruses and then kind of much more subdued verses. Yeah. Um. And so it's it's good. But the, yeah, I, th- I think the, between, I mean, money is good. Us and them, I don't love. Mm. Um. I don't hate it. I just don't love it as much. I think this is starting to be a little bit of a weak spot, but kind of middle, middle towards the end of an album is usually where I'm usually starting to be like, hmm. You start to get a little very, restless. Yeah. It's, it's not, this is not crap. This you whole feel album, like your dad's nothing... going to break in and start talking to wars about you or to you about wars? No, that's why I have you, dear. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're always here for that. Our last instrumental of the album is Any Color You Like, which is a more aggressive instrumental. No, I'm sorry, not more aggressive. Um, it's just, it's kind of coming out of the flow of us and them, but now with sense. Yeah, no, it. it I, I like it. Yeah, I like it again. The 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 just sort of effortless flow. I w- I'm just I wonder how because my understanding is that they played it more or less in sequence, longer versions. But that was how the sort of the live shows were composed. They had a certain structure, and then they would they would jam them out. And again, that that's what just comes back to me listening to this album is it just feels like everything flows in a really natural way. Mm-hmm. This was a more playful, but fu- I mean, still still very good and serious in its own way but like during the guitar solo it almost felt like i couldn't say any other word other than it just felt like it just had like this picking quality to it it Mm. was just kind of like i don't know not picking like actually picking the strings but it was just kind of like picking at you and it's like i i like this and then we move to brain damage Mm. uh speaking of misheard lyrics this one um, I'm, i'm here for this always heard it as and the lyric is and if the dam breaks Mm-hmm. Many years too soon. I always heard that as, and if the band breaks up many years too soon, because I always oh. knew that there were like personnel departures. Because they basically they talk about a talk about a, a rough story. So Sid Barrett um, mood swings. Lotsy took way too much LSD. Personnel trouble, and the, the when they decided because they were going to show, and he he just bombed. He he either was like absent totally or not really there for the performance and they the band was trying to sort of compensate and the story is is they were on their way to pick him up and they looked at each other and one of them said should we pick it up 
And they all said no. Whoa. And they didn't pick them up. And so there's always that in the my the back of my mind because you know there's there's a lot of the music, right? There's some of the songs and you know, Shine On You Crazy Diamond. There's a lot of the material that is that is dedicated to Sid. You know, it's still kind of in reference because that's what happens like with like with a bad breakup. You might be gone. The person can be gone, but they're still present. You know, mm-hmm. they're still they're still they're still up there uh, in your head. Yeah. And so uh, that one always seemingly it's it's an incorrect reading of the lyric. But that one's always sort of that was, I think, w- that inspired the reading of the lyric is that if the band breaks up like a very sort of fourth wall, like, hey, man, if if we fuck this up and Pink Floyd's not together, you know. We'll see you on the dark side of the moon. Not the uh, not the lyric. So that uh, observation's not real useful. We'll see. <laughs> the <laughs> this one is pretty clearly our unspoken character kind of realizing that he's losing his mind. Yeah, and it, it increasingly so with lines progressing from like the lunatic is on the grass, the lunatic is in the hall, the lunatic is in my hall, the yeah. lunatic is in my head. And then the line, of course, and if your head explodes with dark forebodings too, I'll see you on the dark side of the moon. Damn, this album's so fucking good. It's good. It's really but, but good. But the same thing that happens with Breathe and with Run, the like there's recurrent motifs of like mm-hmm. certain lines or certain things that they can come back to and then segue into the next part. Because like, again, listening to it on headphones, especially if you're not looking at the track listing and not being interrupted by YouTube music, fuck off. Um, Thank you for your sponsorship, YouTube music. <laughs> Uh, if you're not doing that, it's it can be really hard to say, oh, this is where this track starts, right? Yeah. Brain Damage and Eclipse are basically a suite, as are yeah. many of the songs in this album. Yep. So that leads into Eclipse, because they are essentially one and the same. So this is the grand finale to yeah. an absolute masterpiece. Yeah. Um, Very reminiscent of um, the end of, I would say, Abbey Road. Which we haven't listened to, and you haven't listened to. Don't. But there's, no spoilers. There, <laughs> of like a fifty-year-old <laughs> album, please. <laughs> it just has a similar, a similar big finale kind of feeling, that mm. like, and lyrically, and the structure of it. Not enough wailing female vocalists to really um, come toe to toe with this this track, but it's so good. Well, this is recent. This this track has gotten new legs for a lot of people. If they don't realize it, is that it's been used. The new Dune trailer has had a cover version of this song that's like because the classic thing is now new movies have to have a spooky version of a classic song, right? So it's like slightly spooky, yeah. but it's <laughs> yeah. still but it's still grandiose because you can't not. What's the point of covering this covering Eclipse if it's not grandiose? And so that's like I think people. You hear that track even as a even as a you know iffy cover, and it's like whoa, this has this has a, a, a incredible final quality to it, even as a cover. And here, in the situation of the album, of so many different things, so many different topics, so many different musical kind of places we're at, it really gets to a catharsis, right? Mm-hmm. We just feel like wow, we, we 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 got everything together, and then we we just take a deep breath and then blew it all out. It's such a good ending. I don't yeah. even know what to say about it other than it's just, I mean, it's just like the perfect ending to a perfect album. Yeah. It is a perfect album. I'm glad, I, glad to hear you say that. I, 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 I say so too. I, I couldn't, and of course it ends with the, the this this beautiful ending of the track and then it just slowly retreats to that same silence and the beating and of the back, heart yeah, drum. Back, back to the heart, heart drum. <laughs> heart drum. Back to the heartbeat and then the final interview snippet that closes it is, well, there is no dark side of the moon really. Matter of fact, it's all dark. Oof. And of course, it 
takes some different ways, and that's that's a joy of a <laughs> big oof. Uh, <laughs> that's a joy of lyrics. So what do they mean by that? Well, in a technical term, Lisa can tell you about a story where I demonstrated we only see one side of the moon. Don't. Not to not here. Not, not here. Not. Maybe not, I will. I'm having video. a good time. We'll I'm do. We'll do bonus time. content. <laughs> <laughs> but but so you can read it that way. Just saying. Well, it's all dark because it's to say, which is to say, the moon doesn't emit light. You know, the most stupid, straightforward, scientific response to that is saying the moon's all dark because it doesn't emit light. It's suns, and in fact, or, or I mean, you could you could read that both ways. The moon's all dark and the moon's all light because the dark side of the moon is only relative to us. You know, the, the sun strikes the other side of the moon. We just never see that part. Mm-hmm. So. But I'm, I, I'm only I, thinking about that. In a well, in a dark, in a dark way, I appreciate that because I don't know. Maybe you've had a great <laughs> last 20, year. Twenty twenty. So. Maybe twenty twenty was great for you, Jeff Bezos, listening but to just, our album. Yeah, but just yeah, exactly. To our podcast, I mean. When you're when you're hitting, maybe is this an album? Probably. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, just there without wallowing in it, without feeling nihilistic. Um, some of those kinds of and i think that's what that's what i think is really nice about coming to this album now it's not afraid to be dark yeah and it's not afraid to be like messy and being like ah this shit's pretty fucked up have an interview segment you know um i like that i like coming to that kind of material right now it's yeah. not i'm not trying to gloss over it not trying to be like inspirational right cuz cuz everything that the album gets through by the time you hit the big emotional finale of of eclipse it feels earned yeah it does you know it doesn't feel like i've just been giving meaningless platitudes the whole time i've only been giving meaningless platitudes for part of the running time yeah um, and i've been i'm just hearing a lot of great music and then and then again with that heartbeat and then what which i love is because they always made albums like this in the 60s and 70s and yet no one had the tech unless you're there at the studio no one had the tech to actually loop an album you had to have two turntables. You had to sit there and be like, Where's okay, the microphone? Wait, 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 hold on. Listen to this. I know you heard it because otherwise it's like, okay, you know the heartbeat? And then, okay, stop. Okay, uh, take that. All right, uh, turn it over. All right, put the needle back down. Oh, boy. And now you're hearing it, right? Now it's like, that's the coolest part. Uh, ways that albums were conceived, but most people never, ever actually heard we get to hear. You just sit that on on digital, and just you can just loop it seamlessly. Mm-hmm. I don't have to ever leave the dark side of the moon. Thank you, technology. Keep me there. Thanks, twenty twenty. Yeah, which exactly. is exactly why it started charting in twenty twenty again. Everyone's like, "Well, I'm fucking done. <laughs> I'm done. Please. That's a wrap on old me." Yeah, stick a fork in it. Here we go. Do you have a one word? Oof! You may have to go f- go first. I, I I try not to think of this ahead of the time. Mine was raw. Hmm. Because even I mean, because raw, I mean, but raw not in the sense of because like when I think of raw in other contexts, I would think of maybe like a raw studio sounding album, that's right? Like, unfinished, yeah. Right. Because this is excessively polished. This is I'm not excessively. This is extremely polished. Extremely. It's per. It is perfect, but it's raw in terms of content. It's raw in terms of talent. It's raw from start to finish. It takes you everywhere. And I mean, it left me feeling kind of raw. It was a good album. I sound a little like depressed this week because I listened to Dark Side of the Moon way too many times. Nice. But yeah, that's what it was for me. And yeah, for I would say um, one word takeaway is um, here we go. 
ironically the name of a, of another prog rock break. I would say Journey. Uh, I feel like I am mm. on a big trip. Right? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's an odyssey maybe. Um, odyssey would probably be really good. Yeah, it's it is that. Well, I was trying to think of the word odyssey as an adjective, and that was just sort of tumbling around. It just sounds like a bag of rocks in my mouth, so I didn't say uh, uh, odyssey like. <laughs> Odysseic? Was that the word? Anyway, I'll say Odysseus. So that's Dark Side of the Moon. Holy shit. I'm glad. I think I like Pink Floyd now. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, maybe we'll come back to it. You certainly should come back to some of the other material. I probably will. Yeah, yeah. Because I am actually interested in the backstory of stuff like that, like how, where they got to where they were. Again, this is their, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is their seventh, I want to say eighth studio album. They had been around a while prior to this, which is crazy to think about that late in your career and scoring the mega hit of mega hits. And then you made album out of solid gold. You you, you just you paid did. people. And, and, and so you. the album was not a record, just money. And they're like, whoa, <laughs> my gosh, best album of all time. So that's Dark Side of the Moon. Would you like to introduce next week's album? Yeah. Um, well, you picked it out. Well, it's just, I just, I, I say for you, because you love, it's Nico Case's Fox Confessor Brings the Flood. I don't know anything other than you've given me some information about Nico Case and you really like her songs. That's all I know about Nico Case. I, I say there's a, there's a, there's a through line there in that th- there's a kind of a mysterious, there's a very, it's a very dark album. Shit. Okay. And and there Maybe are we switch things it for that, like Aqua's Barbie Girl or something. I mean, again, uh, uh, Flaming Lips Zyrica style. It is going to be Aqua's Barbie Girl in left channel, and then Fox <laughs> Confessor right channel. You have to listen Got to it. them at the same time, no matter how. And the oh, final final note: Dark Side of the Rainbow. When I was in high school, everyone was flipping their shit. It was the internet was new enough. Everyone still was just like the rumor mill about this stuff. You didn't even have no Wikipedia. You couldn't fact check any of this stuff with people that don't know what they're talking about. Dark Side of the Moon being, or Dark Side of the Rainbow being, this so uh, earliest known reference to it on the internet is 94, or when they start, started talking about it, was that some stoner watched Wizard of Oz mm. with Dark Side of the Moon, and the band just thinks that's funny. Like, everyone's like, oh my gosh, secret meaning, synchronicity. And they're like, nope, that has nothing to do with that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like narrator, it does. <laughs> did you? I mean, did you listen to this album? Because this album's an incredible work of art, and it's like it really is diminishing to suggest yeah. that it's like, no, it's actually a stupid soundtrack to Wizard of Oz. That's what the real meaning. It's just like, no, dude. This includes no. the tornado sequence, though, right? I don't know. Again, I, I'm, I, I just because if it does, I'm there for it. I feel like we should have the, every every week we suggest a movie that if you watch with the sound off with this album, like White Pony, you watch Elf with, and you really <laughs> get a lot more out of it. What would you What would you pair with that is not the Wizard of Oz? What would you pair with Dark Side of the Moon? Transformers Dark Side. <laughs> <laughs> I would pair. Oh shit! I would pair it with Babe. <laughs> There you go. Babe. Fucking pigs. <laughs> Listen, that's our show. Next week, Nico Case's Fox Confessor Brings the Flood. 
we are all going to learn so much in the next week about Nico Case. Um, That's our show. Thank you guys so much. We are on all listening platforms now. In case I've lied to you, we are now on Apple Podcasts, which means we're officially everywhere. If you don't mind liking and subscribing and giving us a review would be awesome as well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, that's it for episode five. Thanks, guys. See you on the dark side.